this unusual adventure in my life. I've never actually uh, had the pleasure of starting a system from scratch like this. Like you said, this was a whiteboard with nothing on it. That was Doug Hooten talking about the creation of a brand new EMS system in ESD 11, Harris County, Texas. I'm Rob Lawrence, and this is EMS One Stop. Hello and welcome to this special edition of EMS One Stop. How would you like to be walked into a room, be given a blank sheet of paper, a fairly open cheque and told to build your own EMS system? Well, that was the task given to ESD 11 new Chief Executive Officer Doug Hooten and he's now gone away to create an EMS system. We're all following the activities of ESD 11 down in Harris County but I had a chance to sit down with Doug and hear all about it. Doug, thank you for joining me today, and I'm really delighted to uh, to talk to you. We go back a long way, but I've been following you over the last few months, and I'm really excited with the mission and task that you've been given. So let's start from the beginning, Doug, and tell us about ESD11, where it is, what it does, and what it's going to do. So yes, and uh, Rob, thank you so much for uh, for in inviting me to have this chat with you um, about this exciting project here and. Emergency Service District 11 in Harris County, Texas. So Harris County, Texas uh, specifically is the county that Houston, Texas is in. It's one of the largest counties uh, in Texas um, with the largest population. Um, and we're one of many uh, ESDs, um, which is, stands for the Emergency Service District, which is a governmental body um, created to provide emergency services. Um, it could be EM, uh, EMS, could be fire, could be EMS and fire, um, but you sort of have to, uh, to decide which one you want to be. And so ESD 11 um, is in the northwest part of uh, Harris County um, in an area that uh, those cities, it's all unincorporated. Um, but if you look it up, it's uh, sort of in the spring Texas area. Um, it covers 177 square miles, about 650,000 people um, live in the, the area. And, um, you know, EMS wise, they'll do about 50,000 responses a year. Um, so it's, you know, it's a pretty good size service and uh, system. Um, ESD has uh, been contracting this service out for, uh, for many years um, with a local 501c3 um, Cypress Creek uh, EMS. And, um, you know, not to get into the particulars, but there was um, some disagreement um, between the contractor and the ESD uh, authority. And uh, that resulted in a cancellation of the contract um, where they gave uh, the contractor about a year's notice, about 360 days of notice. Um, that notice ends uh, September the 4th of uh, this year. Um, and so the ESD had decided to provide this service themselves. And so they asked me and um, 
November, the very end of November, 1st of December, I think I started uh, December 1st, and uh, to come in and establish uh, a new system of EMS for the ESD-11. And uh, so that's sort of uh, how I got here and where we are. Right. And, um, it's that, I mean, I, I have this notion of you. There you were, happily in retirement. The phone <laughs> goes. And somebody says to you, um, here's a blank sheet of paper. Here's yeah. a few dollars. And we know it's more than a few dollars. And you've got, you know, uh, 11 months in your own time. Carry on. I mean, was that pretty much what happened? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I really uh, had thought that retirement was going to be uh, something that I really wanted to do and you know, get to spend more time with my, uh, my uh, beautiful wife and and family. And uh, after about six weeks of uh, me being home with my wife, she came to me and said, you know, you really should find something else to do. <laughs> and um, Boy, did you find something else to do? Yeah. And so about that time, I get a call from uh, our friend, uh, Steve Athey. And um, uh, Steve thought this might be a good fit. And so I applied and you know, I've been blessed to be able to uh, come here and start this this unusual adventure in my life. I've never actually uh, had the pleasure of starting a system from scratch like this, like you said, well, just with a whiteboard with nothing on it. Yeah, and, and this is why it's so fascinating. And I, and I have to tell you, Doug, I've been talking to a lot of people about talking to you today. And they're all excited because nobody that we can think of, maybe going back to the kind of Jack Stout early Fitch days, have done this have actually said okay this is absolutely a blank piece of paper now of course you know that there we, we're all familiar with the sort of rfp method where a formed organization will come in and provide a formed solution but this literally is brand spanking new and so a lot of people are excited uh, a, a lot of people would want to be you and also doug a lot of people wouldn't want to be you but uh, <laughs> so so how's it gone so far i mean you know there was you in a room how did you go to more people in the room yeah, so you know, I found myself um, in a room uh, by myself. With I just wife. have to to bust in in a second, and I may edit this out. But I am I have a scourge of leaf blowers and and lawnmowers, and one's just shown up outside my window. So if you get extra huh. sound effects, it is huh. the HOA leaf blower has arrived, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah, Sorry. And if you hear, if you hear something like it sounds like somebody falling through the ceiling, it's because they're doing construction upstairs. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Well, we all have we all have uh, construction and uh, yard workers in. So let's carry on. So there's you in the room. How do we get more people in the room? Yeah, so there's me and um, I decided that. Uh, and so when they had the interviews for all of the um, people for this position as the chief executive for the ESD, had some great candidates um, apply for that. Um, um, Jamie, um, Super from um, New Jersey and uh, Rob Lawrence. Uh, Rob, Rob, no, Rob, Rob Lawrence didn't apply, Rob, just, just for the record. Farmer, <laughs> Rob Farmer did. <laughs> Florida and, um, you know, uh, a number of other um, really talented folks. And uh, uh, I, I am just amazed that actually they picked me. But, but uh, in thinking through that, I thought, well, you know, here's, here's a couple of people that are amazing folks who have had amazing careers, um, you know, I don't know that they would be willing to take on sort of a, 
you know, an executive role here with me and help me build this process. And so I reached out to them and um, you know, lo and behold, they, they were all very interested and intrigued uh, much as I have been about, um, you know, building a service from scratch. And, and so uh, they have, jo they joined me here uh, pretty quick, you know, uh, Jamie joined me in um, December and Rob in uh, January. And um, the next thing you know, there's a couple of us in the office and, and we start looking to, to start building the staff from there. But, but having that um, availability of, of uh, these really seasoned people was important when you're, I, I decided it was very important if you're gonna build a system from scratch and only have about nine months to do it, um, which is really the, the, you know, the thing about this project that is you know, troublesome is that you only have nine months um, to put all the pieces together um, to be able to run ambulances come um, September. So starting in December and going to uh, September um, is, was sort of, sort of scary. And so I, I knew I was going to need experienced people that I could bring in and sort of we could paint the picture of, of, of what the system probably ought to look like and then set them loose and let them use their years of experience to start reaching out and, and bringing in more talent um, to help us. So that's, that's sort of how the talent pool got established. And it's a great one. I know, I know both uh, Jamie and Rob, and uh, yeah, you've surrounded yourself with great people um, that, uh, of course, you can then, as you say, let them get on with it because they know exactly what needs to be done. Talking of things to be done then, I mean, I've got a whole range of categories here, Doug, and we, you can pick one, whether it's workforce, real estate, vehicles, equipment, communication centers. Actually, let's start with... Uh, with the kind of the, the hard, there's a lot of stuff to buy, whether it's vehicles, whether it's comm equipment, um, and you've got to do a big spend, but project manage a lot of things. So how are you how are you managing that scope of project management, and you know what stuff are you buying? Yeah, and you know that's a great question, Rob, because you know at the end of the day, um, there are there is literally um, nothing here. I mean, there was not even a building. Here they had a thought of, um, and we're looking at a, a piece of property when I first came on, um, and so you have to have a place that you're gonna you're gonna call um, home to even get started. And so is that the guy that just fell through the roof? That was the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome yeah. to the show, sir. <laughs> yeah. Get his leg back through the roof there, and and um, and so we were. Um, looking for that place and they had found something. And so they found a 43 acre piece of property with about 130,000 square foot of, uh, of building um, space on it. And um, it's in a perfect location uh, in the sort of center, almost the center of our uh, service area and uh, was available. And so they purchased that, the ESD purchased that. Um, and then set out about how we would take that 43 acres and those buildings and then sort of mold those now into, um, into the facilities that we're gonna need to be successful. So that's, that's sort of the, how we got to the place where we are. This was building the sort of vision of what the system should look like and, 
you know, that, that starts with, you know, my 40 plus years of experience in EMS um, and Jamie's 30 and, and um, you know, Rob's 30. And we all sort of get together and talk about, you know, if you could, if you could just stop for a second and say, you know, I'm going to build the perfect EMS system. You know, what would it look like? What would it feel like? What would be the components of that? And, and the reason that's important is because everything that follows from that um, leads to what kind of ambulances should you buy? And then what's the lead time on all of those ambulances, and, um, which are really the most important because as everyone knows right now, finding chassis uh, for ambulances is next to, uh, would be almost next to impossible um, unless you can you know, reach out to some really good friends in the industry who you've worked with for 40 years and, uh, and get their expertise on how to help. So, so really that, that was sort of the beginning and then it was really focused around um, the ambulances because we thought, you know, if you're gonna do this in nine months, then you've got to have ambulances to do it. Um, and if you can't get ambulances to do it, then this is a this is sort of a bust to begin with. Right. And you know, we all know there are ambulance dealers out there, but not ambulance dealerships where you can go onto the forecourt and say, I'll take 40 of those, please, and I'll have them delivered tomorrow. So there's right. a timeline, there's a lag, and there is a production schedule that you have to compete, I'm guessing, with other people that are trying to buy ambulances. It's uh, it's it's a hell of a challenge. Yeah, and so um, I started investigating it in my uh, I have a good friend, uh, Mark. Van Arnhem, um, who is a, you know, a pillar of our industry uh, when it comes to vehicle uh, manufacturing. And uh, I, I reached out to Mark and had this conversation with him. And, um, and then he engaged me with uh, um, uh, Randy Barr from um, American Emergency Vehicles, all the people that I, I've known and bought from in the past. Um, and then um, that sort of got the ball rolling on talking about chassis. And, and I'm sure most everybody out there knows, you know, the, the, the hoops you have to jump through, but, but one of the first hoops you want to jump through is getting this, um, you have to identify what kind of chassis you want to buy and what's available. And so, so we started looking and there really weren't, um, there weren't any Chevrolets, there weren't any Dodges, uh, there were some Fords, um, and so we decided on the Ford chassis because they were, there were some available, um, but to get those through um, any kind of uh, fleet pricing, you have to have this Ford um, uh, identification number, it's a FIN number, and you have to apply for that. And, and there's, you know, several hoops, which takes about 30 to 45 days to jump through to get those um, that FIN number because that FIN number then allows you to order um, chassis um, from the manufacturer um, with a, a fairly large discount. So we were able to get our FIN number um, with Ford, and um, it took some some arm twisting. Oops, sorry, the guy's falling again. Um, <laughs> it took some arm twisting to to you know, get them to release 40 chassis to us. And um, especially, you know, we had a sort of a 
request, which was the, the extended cab uh, F450 um, chassis um, with a gasoline engine, very specifically the new 7.3. So we were designing the ambulances based on what we believe is going to be the future of uh, at least for the next 10 years uh, to, to 20 years of what ambulances might look like. So this is the ambulance chassis is a Ford, not that you couldn't do it with a Dodge or a, a Chevrolet, but we thought the gasoline engine would be a better choice. Um, and um, somehow we needed to make that into a um, more carbon friendly, um, you know, uh, hybrid, if you will, sort of ambulance. So it, it is, it is electric versus uh, gas. Um, and um, so that let, leads us and gives us more um, availability to, to do some things down the road with the ambulances that we want to do. And they become sort of this hybrid by using, uh, we're going to be using a product called uh, Zero RPM. Um, so that when you show up on scene, it has like a, a lithium battery series in it. And uh, when you, you know, you're driving, it drives on the gasoline engine. And when you show up on scene, put it in park, uh, it will shut down the engine and run off of uh, this battery power for, you know, four to six hours, depending on what you're running off of it. But it will run everything on your system, all the lights, you know, all your electrical equipment. But it also runs some DC uh, compressors for air conditioning and heating. And, you know, here in Texas, um, this will be the real challenge is, you know, it gets 110 degrees here uh, during the summer for, you know, 70 days in a row, and it gets pretty, pretty hot. So um, we need something that's going to keep people cool and um, be efficient. And at the same time, you know, how can we be more um, environmental friendly and how can we improve our fuel efficiency? Um, and that's sort of the model that we've come up with uh, Northwell and um, up in New York, our friend John, Jonathan Washko, yep. we're using this product as well. And um, so we thought we would uh, sort of take that concept because it seemed to have worked well for him and, um, and try it down here. So that's sort of, um, and we've added um, some roof mounted condensers for the air conditioning to help the efficiencies of the air conditioning and takes took something from my friend Rob Lawrence from his previous um, stint down in Richmond ambulance service and we have put some solar panels a couple of solar panels on top of the ambulance um, to help with some of the electrical load um, in the uh, vehicle as well. It would be remiss of me Doug if I didn't now give a shout out to Dan Fellows who was actually the fleet genius that uh, led that program and uh, is still there today. So uh, we'll yeah. pay homage to Dan as well. Let me just change topic. And uh, you're not building a station there, Doug, you're building a campus. Let's talk about real estate. Yep. So we do, we have 43 acres. Um, we're building a 40,000 square foot administrative building, which will house a brand new communication center um, where we will be uh, dispatching our ambulance from. So we're bringing in all of the 911 lines um, and working with Harris County, uh, Greater uh, Harris County 911 um, to bring in all the, the 911 equipment. Um, 
putting up a brand new radio system, which we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, that's going to be public safety grade, P25 compliant, but with a twist. Um, we'll talk about that twist here in just a minute. And, um, and then we're building a um, 20,000 square foot um, deployment center where we're going to de deploy um, our 18 peak trucks every day. Um, there's going to be 10 trucks that will be statically deployed for geographical uh, coverage. And then we'll have 18 trucks a day that will cover peak trucks for a total of 28 trucks um, peak during, uh, during the day um, and throughout, the, throughout the period. So um, today the system runs about 18 trucks, but they're all statically deployed um, throughout the area. So we believe this will give us uh, the ability to, to have better coverage, um, reduce workload for the crews, and have better on, uh, you know, uh, on-time performance uh, as it relates to the citizens of the community. That's excellent. And uh, yeah, so I'm, when is it all going to be done? When's it going to be built by? So here's the part that might people might just sort of chuckle at. Um, this the construction just started right at the very end of April. Um, all of the they come. It's going to be in two phases. So the first phase is to is is to complete the, the communication center and the billing uh, center because we're doing all of our billing in-house um, and, and a little bit of uh, board room um, sort of meeting where the commissioners can have their board meetings and then uh, the deployment center um, and a fleet maintenance department. So those are all part of our phase one build out. Um, all of that is slated to be finished uh, by uh, August the 16th. Wow. If you've been involved in a build, that's a wow moment. That's a lot. That's good going. Yeah, it's uh, pretty, it's a thing that probably keeps me up at night. Um, <laughs> but I can tell you that these guys have been um, swinging hammers and, you know, I, you know, bringing in equipment and tearing things up. So they're, they're well on their way to at least um getting us started excellent so we're still we're still on the drawing board doug so let's talk about communication center and communications uh -huh. clearly you got it you've got to you've got to build a comm center so we do and and most people know that houston is in a in an area that's prone to hurricanes um and uh, you know sort of bad weather that comes in from that and uh, so one of the first things we wanted to do is make sure that we harden the facility to be uh, hurricane resistant. Um, no sense getting blown away the first, you know, the first uh, month. Straight out the gate, no. Yeah, and um, and then the rest of that was, you know, how do we make this building sort of re the redundancy in this building? Because you know, things are going to happen when when you have hurricanes. First thing that happens is you know, you get flooding or you get uh, uh, power shortages or power out uh, power outages, um, just all kinds of, of, of terrible things uh, go on during that. And then you lose uh, power and you're just sunk. There's not much that you can do. And so the things that we've been doing here is looking at, well, where does power come from? And, and uh, you know, how can we, you know, how can we bolster that power? So we have power coming in, we've talked with our power provider, and there's two different grids. We're lucky on, on the back side of our 43 acres is one grid, and on the front side of our 
43 acres is another grid. So we get power coming in from two different directions, um, which we think will be helpful. Um, but if both power grids go down, then we have two megawatt uh, generators, um, one gas, one, um, one gas, natural gas, one is diesel. Um, so we have two sources of power that come in from that. Um, and if for some reason, both of those generators were to fail, then we've uh, installed lugs on our, um, our building so that you can bring in portable generators and plug them into the system to power it. Um, and then um, sort of one of the things that's probably um, would surprise most people is we built, we built into the build, we built into this building a um, UPS, but the UPS is a room full of lead acid batteries that will power everything here um, for the, if, if everything were to go out and not be working, they would run off battery power for probably 10 to 12 hours. For those, for those listening that aren't in the com world, UPS stands for uninterrupted power supply. It only took me five years to work that out, so I'm going to share it now. Yeah, that's good. I forget, you know, not everybody speaks our lingo, but no. But yeah, and so, um, so the point here is that we've we've tried to build into it the power needs, no matter what happens um, here, and we've brought a gentleman in. Uh, so that that is sort of the the power needs that we'll need. The other part is most of everything that we're using now is software as a service, so you have to have internet connect uh, connectivity. And so we now have uh, nine points of, of uh, internet connectivity um, into our buildings because everything here runs off of it. Um, and that's everything from multiple fiber uh, providers coming in from multiple directions. Um, we have uh, um, Elon Musk's satellite um, um, internet, we have um, the internet that comes in off of our new tower that we're putting in. So uh, there'll be nine touch points for internet into the building. So if any one fails, it has multiple failovers um, to ensure the connectivity of that. Um, so a lot of thought has gone into the fact that we get that some something is going to fail. It's not a question of if, it's just when things fail. Wow. So going to move on again, Doug. So one of the things you've done so very well so far, as well as everything else, is harness the power of social media. And you're, you are now a podcaster, so welcome to the podcast club. But you're using that to get some very key and important messages out in terms of what you're up to, um, who you're looking to recruit, when you're looking to recruit. And so I commend you for that. And, uh, and I could let, we'll, we'll put the link to your podcast in my podcast notes. Um, in you. terms of uh, recruiting folk, though, obviously there is a service there now. So you're going to want to look to offer them uh, a, a kind of a transfer, I guess. But I read that you've had over a thousand applicants so far, which given where we are today, that is remarkable. So let's break that down into parts. So what's going to happen to the folk that are currently on the streets in Harris County right now? Yeah, that's, that's very true. And, you know, we opened our portal last, uh, last Friday. And so it's been open about a week. We've had about 1500 um, applications for about 12 different positions that we have available. Um, most of which are in our EMT and paramedic categories, but um, 
Yeah, it's been it's been amazing. And so we start by by offering to the existing workforce an opportunity to transfer from where you are to us by uh, recognizing their years of service to the community. Um, you know, a seniority, you would call it seniority in your organization. We call it, you know, years of, of uh, service to our community here. And so if you're a 10 year employee there um, that you've provided 10 years of service to this community, then we're gonna give you 10 years of, of recognition for that. So you don't lose any seniority, which is important in our industry relative to how you might bid your shift or uh, some other things relative to seniority. Uh, the other thing we're doing for uh, those folks is we're recognizing their rates of pay. So whatever their rates of pay are currently, they just have to bring over uh, verification of that. And we're going to match or exceed that depending on where they fall into our pay scales. Um, the other side of that is enhanced benefits. Um, you know, the, the one thing that has always bothered me in EMS is it's hard to find a good pension plan. Um, you can find 401s, you can find 457s um, in a lot of the EMS systems, but it's really rare that you get to find a government sort of, um, you know, 20 and you're out plan. Um, and so our plan here is, uh, is a true state, uh, part of the state pension plan. Um, and, um, you know, you put in 7%, the district puts in 14%, so they match it uh, two for one, um, and they guarantee a 7% return. And so for one of the first times in my career, this is an opportunity for people to come to work, um, work for a period of time, and, and be able to feel comfortable that they're going to be able to return and be able to retire um, after that service to the community. And, and that's, an, that's an amazing thing, Doug, because of course you've, you've been involved in public utility, third service models, I know for a long time. And of course the biggest competition is people going to um, fire departments particularly for the pension. And so you're now competing directly with that. Yeah, we're com and, and that makes us more competitive um, on all levels. Um, and I think to a certain extent, it becomes a little more attractive to people who, you know, maybe don't want to be a fireman or, you know, don't want to do a police, don't want to do police work, would like to be an EMS, um, but would like to also have the same benefits um, that those folks have. And we're also looking at adding a 457 plan so you could uh, donate um, to that on your own. And then the district is looking at having a 3% match there. So the point here is to make it sort of robust enough that, um, that you could truly have a career in EMS if you, if you were really wanting to have a career in EMS. Well, it's just, uh, I, I started off this interview by creating a mind map, Doug, of all the questions and all the bits and pieces that I thought you probably have to think about you have to think about far more than I can even imagine right now. And uh, um, I, I hope you're going to get on the lecture circuit once this is all up and running and talk about the Genesis project, which this clearly is. In the beginning, there was you. Uh, and then we go from there because, you you know, clearly there's, you're, you're, you're on the road, but there's obviously still a lot to do. And, uh, you know, let me ask the classic interview question, Doug. Where do you see your organization in 12 to 18 months to two year to two and a half years time? 
You know, um, it's a great question. And, you know, I always pause um, in my my weeks and months that I'm here to uh, to think about that. And, and because, you know, it's really easy to get caught in the day-to-day -day grind of, you know, trying to get a Medicare number, trying to get a Medicaid number, trying to get all the provider licenses and numbers that you need uh, for, uh, for doing something like this. And um, I really do enjoy looking out, you know, a year, 18 months, two years down the road um, and seeing a, an EMS system that, that has all the hallmarks of a high-performance, high-value EMS system um, that is accredited um, both from a, a system perspective um, as well as a communications perspective um, and is involved in the community from a community paramedic perspective. So I think you're going to see a modern, you know, probably one of the more modern EMS systems in the country. And, um, you know, that really makes me excited. I, I wish I had more runway uh, in my career so I could really, um, you know, spend some time. I don't know how much time I get, but as uh, George Strait would say, I'm probably not here for a long time, but I'm certainly here for a good time. Well, I'm sure you're, you're going you're gonna to achieve achieve that. And uh, I mean, you're creating a legacy, Doug, it's very clear. But, uh, you know, it's just going to be exciting to see how this goes, because, as I say, I can't remember anyone that's done this in recent history without without having, you know, you, there are a number of organizations that win RFPs and then put the power of their corporate body into this. But you, sir, are the corporate body. Yeah. I've had the blessings of, of doing those RFP things, and that's that's part of um, you know the thing that I think that helps me with this is I've had those experiences. But but you know knowing people like Jack Stout and and uh, the Jonathan Washkos and the Joe Penners and the Dean Dowls, I could just go on and on and on about the Chip Deckers. Uh, you know I don't want to leave anybody out, but but all of the people that I have known in my career that have helped me um, through my career um, with all the experiences I've had of running public utility models and working on the private sector side um, and trying to build all of those uh, experiences into a once in a lifetime adventure of, uh, you know, here is, a, here is a bunch of money and, and the district is spending a, a significant amount of money to build this system. And, um, you know, they have, they have a desire that the district here, the ESD 11 district has a desire to have a system that is and uh, will be one of the uh, top tier uh, EMS systems in the country doing a lot of research and um, innovative um, sort of uh, things. So I'm, I'm really blessed uh, and humbled actually to, um, to be here and uh, be able to work with these great people that uh, we've assembled here to do this. Well, Doug, uh, I'm gonna call it uh, here, but uh, what an opportunity, what an adventure and uh, I hope that we can talk again, because as I say, a lot of people were just excited that I was even going to talk to you, not even that you're going to answer my questions. So uh, I, hope to, I hope to have you back and we're all yeah. going to follow very closely. 
Yeah, well, I would, uh, I would thank you for giving me this opportunity and I would encourage anyone to go to our website um, at uh, harriscountyesd11.com and uh, follow our podcasts um, because it's, a, uh, it's an exciting time and we're going to try to keep people up to date on, uh, on what we're doing. Good. Well, for now, and I hope it's just for now, Doug Hooten, thank you very much. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate your time. My thanks to Doug Hooten. What a fantastic interview. We're all watching and following very, very closely. Talking of following, do you know you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Stitcher and Spotify. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That's all for now. You can follow me on LinkedIn and also on Twitter at UKRobL1. The one is very important. I've been Rob Lawrence, and until next time, bye for now.